Whenever you're ready. And should I look there or anywhere? In situ. In situ. Yeah, it's uh, in situ. In situ. In situ. In situ. That is so good. In situ. In situ. In situ. In situ. Okay, so in situ. In situ is the name of the European platform for artistic creation in public space. Led by Lieu Public, we are based in Marseille, France. And in this podcast, you will hear the voices of our members who live and work all across Europe. Nature, social justice, cultural identity, digital spaces, communities, regeneration of places. Each episode will bring a specific topic of conversation between three of our members, a partner, an associate artist, and an associate citizen. Uncommon Spaces is the name of our current project, and we welcome you to the Institute podcast. In the sixth episode, closing the first season of this podcast, we'll discuss the topic of digital spaces. Luis Nacenta is our associate citizen from Fira Tarrega in Spain. Valentina Kasslinger is our partner in this episode. She's the artistic director of Zona Kappa in Italy. And Cristina Maldonado is the associate artist of Stieridni in Czech Republic. This conversation was recorded remotely from behind our computers, so we asked all participants to start with a presentation of themselves, starting with our artist Cristina Maldonado. I am Mexican. I live in Prague. At the moment, I'm in France in a residency. And I work in the university in the Academy of Performing Arts in Prague. So I come from performance, from dance and interactive uh, or participatory situations. This is the field where I have more experience. And at the moment, I am looking into the topic of the everyday practices around death. And... Uh, Maybe what I can contribute here is how I think about these virtual themes and methods connected with this topic of, of death. Um, I'm Valentina Kastlunger and I'm one of the two artistic directors of Zona Kappa, which is a theater in Milano and also an artistic residency. And we also run a bigger institution together with a network that is called Casa degli Artisti, which is a residency for visual artists. While Zona Kappa is more concentrated on theater, Casa degli Artisti is more concentrated on visual arts and music. Since I would say now it's the third year, we are part of a big network, Italian network of residencies and theater institutions that launched a project that is called Digital Residencies that started obviously during the pandemic, And so we gained some experience in the last three years. And also Zona Kappa was always interested in the use um, of technology in theater. So it wasn't at that time, it wasn't the digital technology. It could have been sound technology, video technology, displacements. Some of them have a strong connection to different technologies. I am Luis Nacenta. I am uh, mainly a curator specialized for a, quite a long time now in, uh, in art, science and technology. So I've, I've worked a lot in that field, particularly 
digital technology used in music and in uh, sound art, and also in other fields of digital art, uh, particularly in live coding. I've worked a lot with uh, live coders uh, lately. I think about the digital space in a very um, broad and basic way, which is everything which is displayed in the screen. Basically, everything which is mediated. And I think that there are way more complex ways of addressing what's the digital space. But I am thinking of the space more from the physical side of it. So I'm thinking about the gadgets that are accompanying us all the time. And I am observing what is happening to us, to our body, to our relationships. Like, what are all these human transformations in our, <laughs> in our way of thinking and relating affected by this mean? Uh, I've been working right now with a project that um, basically coordinates your screen of the computer with your mobile phone. The mobile phone is placed in the way that it fits your hand. I'm talking to you like in a very Zoom call style and I'm like showing to you an object and I'm going to put this object in your hand, in the telephone, in your hand. So there is this like kind of overlay of the virtual um, palm in your physical hand. So it's very literal extension of your own perception and physical space. It's completely clear that this is not real, that this is not happening, but still the body is reacting to it. And still there is some kind of uh, perceptual content that goes beyond what you see. So this is an example of how I'm researching this digital space as a real extension of the physical space. Christina's work, as she describes it now, but I, I, I looked at it also before, has uh, all typical characteristics to be a digital performance. Um, I, I, what I didn't understand, if sometimes Christina does that also be, being there. So if you do it online, so without your presence in the physical space, and you also do it with your presence in the physical space and you use both tools. So you use your body, your voice, you are there, but people then perceive you through a monitor. Uh, because these are the two different possibilities which I find are very fascinating. We can speak about the digital tools only being online and only using the digital data that we produce being here, but we can also combine them with a physical presence and go beyond the physical presence. Yes, yes, totally. It's, it's in both uh, realms. Mediation has been a topic for me since many years. And with these two years of isolation, then there was a lot of time to uh, go deeper in some, some research that started already before. So there were performances happening online for example, uh, uh, something we did based on this page, this person does not exist, that it's this AI-generated uh, faces, uh, people who doesn't exist. So we did like uh, interactive, um, or it's not interactive, it's more like participatory performance in which we basically just overlapped my face with one audience member. 
and uh, uh, with this overlap uh, that it's almost like a game but when you actually meet with eyes and the proportion and everything it is a little bit uh, you have a physical reaction <laughs> it's really strange uh, we created a new biography by um, combining my life and the life of the person. So it was a, a response of like, yes, this does not, not, not exist, but maybe it could have existed in this context. And, you know, it's not only about the image. It's very interesting, the statement of this person does not exist. Uh, but I mean, if, if, if we look to pictures of people that they do exist, then we think of the relation between the picture and the, let's say, real person. That uh, relation, it's not direct at all. It's, uh, I mean, a photography, we are very used to photography, but it's a very, um, how to say that, it's a very artificial thing. And there is a huge distance between the photography and yourself. And you could also argue that a photography is a very real thing. I mean, you just need to go to Instagram and uh, you have the impression in Instagram that a lot of people think that photography is the only thing that matters. So it's very interesting how we can say that this person does not exist just because there is not a human being that has been used to take that particular picture. If we talk about digital space in a performative context, um, you have to take care that all the elements of the performative context are sti still there, but that you take care of doing a specific digital artistic project. You need to have interaction, you need to have dramaturgy, you need to have a storytelling, a strong storytelling, but at the same time, you need to use the freedom that the digital space gives you. Um, and that then makes it a digital performance, which is at the same time digital and performative. Um, I would say that a digital performance is a performance that uh, stresses, it has a particular interest or takes place in the virtual side of the performance experience. That's, that's what I would say. And that's a dimension that it's there all the time. I mean, even if we see a performance that it's not digital at all, let's say a classical performance where the performance is there, there is a still a virtual space. That's the space of memory. It's the space of meaning. It's the space of imagination. It's the space of expectation. Then I think what we can call a digital performance is that you use technology to stress that other aspect, to make it bigger, to make it more complex, to make audience aware of that other, of that virtual, that complementary place where things can happen. That, that's the way, but it's very difficult to define it in terms of particular format. I, I think if, if we were challenged to say, okay, is this a virtual performance or is this a real actual performance? I think in many cases, it would be difficult to set like a clear difference. What I found very fascinating of, of uh, this conversation uh, is this difference between virtual reality and digital reality and the knowledge that virtual reality has always been there. A any kind of fantasy thought 
possibility that you don't embody is a virtual possibility, reality. And so the thought that the digital space is just amplifying that. We have already also this old discourse about changing identity or creating artificial identity. We are doing that all the time when we put makeup on our face in a very physical and simple way. Uh, photographs were changed before the digital space were corrected on fashion newspapers. Now it is very affordable. Now it is very quick. Now it is very dense, but it's amplifying something that was already there. And that is really fascinating because very often we describe this reality as completely new. But the revolution is the quickness and the quantity it enables us to produce more than the concept itself. And that's a very lucid and, and clear thought for me coming from today's discussion. For me, the, the really striking aspects of uh, digital technology and particularly of the Internet is that it's there all the time. It's always on. I mean, for me, it's that part that what's new. The idea of uh, we, in our bodies, in our pockets, in our hands, we are all the time, 24-7, connected to a digital, virtual space. So we are cyborgs in a way. It is not true that the mobile phone is separated from your body. When you lose your phone, you panic. And, and then I think that digital art or digital performance or anything that we could say that's an artistic approach to that, it's a critical approach to that thing that we all have assumed as a part of our body, a part of our eyes, our ears, our voice. In this sense, that space, that virtual space, is more real now. The continuity is something that uh, interests me a lot. The continuous presence of the virtual, which is also the continuous presence of the absence. And we are still even confused in defining what's real and what's not real, which is like... We are completely unaware that there is these states that uh, where real and not real is, there is no contradiction between them. <laughs> but we function, our emotions are really led by this realm. There are technologies integrated in our being, the memory, the imagination, even conjuring, <laughs> uh, evocation. Those are technologies that uh, we are equipped with to reach the virtual. I started to explore this related to death because also there has been, I don't know how recently, maybe a decade, but uh, there is also the tendency now of thinking about continuation in the bonds. When you don't have a frame as a religion that will explain what happens and how you can relate to the person that's gone, then there is this tendency of like, well, it's possible to continuate the relationship with the person who's not here. And that is like the top of the top of the top of the virtual for me. There is a technology that it's embedded in us. <laughs> you know, there is, there is something in our body that, that feels that space, that makes sense of that space. And maybe just even these Google formulas that I am I'm making questionnaires about how do you make yourself present in the distance. 
and uh, people end up saying some really interesting things and we make recipes. This recipe could be followed even if the person doesn't exist anymore. I think we need to build a new realism. We need to redefine what is real. Reality does not exist per se. Reality is what you have around you and that thing that you trust that will not change too fast, that will still be there when you switch off the computer. No, that, that's what you uh, refer to as reality. But I would be very careful to identify the reality with the physical, because the, the physical is also a very esoteric and strange thing that you cannot relate directly with the physical. I remember a very old black and white film where a man, he's the, the bad man, um, takes away a dancer, um, a female dancer from her lover, imprisons her, and I think at the end he kills her by letting her dance too much. And then when the lover finds where she lived, where she was imprisoned, and he enters the rooms and he sees her there because he killed her by filming her all the time, to reproduce the virtual reality of her dancing. But in the film, the play is the film does not exist yet. So they see this new technology for the first time. So they see the image of the dancer, the perfect image of the dancer in her best way dancing. And the lover who comes to take her back does not know that this is just an image. And I saw the film when I was still young, a child. But now, today, the digital residences are hosting an artist who will work on the idea that for her, she's really a nerd. She's really living very much in front of the computer and during the night. So she knows all the new digital platforms. And she, in this project, is pretending that her relationship to artificial intelligence, to any kind of bot or computer answering you, is better than any relationship to human beings. Uh, so you don't have to go into science fiction, but the bots we are conversing now are getting more and more intelligent. And going back to Christina's project about having a virtual reality of someone that is not there anymore, I could imagine an archive of thoughts, images, a way of thinking of a person that regenerates itself and learns from the dialogues like bots are doing now so that you could really not only remember a person, but that you could interact to an artificial intelligence complex that gives you the answers that probably this person could give you uh, in future. Um, it scares me a lot because I have the feeling we lose the warm side of all of this, but it's true, just stressing it in arts to the extreme point that could be the imagination of what could happen. It also scares me losing something very human. And uh, I think that the problem of the word real, I mean, all these, all these terms are virtual reality is a problem. Uh, mixed reality maybe can help us more. But I think that the way we named things, because you know, there is the IRL, like in real life and the virtual reality. And it's also the technology, and this is very interesting, like because it's also the technology and how the technology is named, which also creates the confusion. 
in the sense that, okay, they create these parameters. Okay, this is in real life and this is in the virtual life. Uh, it is a simplification and it would be much better to have other terms that can also help us to construct something. And I think that happening in art, these terms don't make any sense there. The project that we are hosting are very different because we are still searching for a definition of them. So we move from very performative projects that use digital tools to very digital projects that use Twitch or that use TikTok or they use platforms that I myself do not know very well and are getting to know now. And we decided not to define it now because of the same reasons we are talking about now, that you need new definitions. So we try to stay as open as possible to, to understand. Before judging or before closing it and giving definitions, we try to keep it open at this moment. We are gaining year per year a very uh, specific audience interested in the digital space. But this audience does not become our theater audience later. They are interested in that specific world. And, uh, and I think those that are able to carry and to build a bridge to this audience are actually the artists more than the organizers, because uh, it's also very interesting to look at the, the involvement of the projects. Like this year, we really have artists that already worked a lot in the digital space. So it's getting more and more specific what we do. So we get less projects when we do the open call, but they are very specific and very right and technically very um, aware of what they do now. So the bridge to new audiences are actually the artists themselves more than our organizations because they just live into these platforms and worlds. The idea of the digital native is so important. And I understand that everyone will be from now on. Is the digital increasing the audience? I don't think it really is, because when we approach the digital audience, I think it's when we watch a movie or when we listen to music, but are we really an audience when we are following a streaming in Twitch or we are just browsing the TikTok or Instagram? I, I, I would not call this an audience. I would call this be connected, be aware, be somehow linked, but you do not sit in front of TikTok as you would sit in front of a movie. And then the case of the theater is very interesting. I don't, I don't think we see a lot of theater in the screen. I mean, the digital aspect of theater, when you experience that in your house, we see that as documentation. That's the, that's the problem, that there is a, a layer added to that. We see a movie, but we don't see the theater because we, of course, lack the physical presence. I don't know if I would say that the digital is increasing the audience. There is more and more people connected to that, but not in an audience-like attitude, I would say. Being at the same time on different platforms and levels, for me, being 50, it makes me very tired, but I see my daughters, they are not. How much this is changing our brain, our intelligence? I mean, I, I'm sure I it does. Our generation has these things to compare, no? Like before and after and so on. But I think that there is a, like a, an attention process or just like a state 
which is the state of observing. It was about receiving. You sit in the theater, you sit in the cinema, and you sit and you listen. And it's this state of contemplating. It's contemplating. That requires a time. This is a really big difference in how the media is working. And I wouldn't dare to say that it's not possible to have the audiences through a TikTok project, because I think that the reception occurs in very different way now that I also cannot understand and I also cannot connect. <laughs> but I can see also with my students that uh, there is a reception, there is association of things. There are these processes that also happened to me when I was sitting in front of a film and watching. But certainly it's not the same. I think there's a value they receive somehow and that something is constructed through that. But for me, it's a mystery. Like I have questions. I don't know what this is and I don't know how it operates. And uh, also the word, um, this, uh, what is it? Digital, uh, like the physical and the digital. For us, the contemplation meant that virtual world was really not affecting our immediate reality. The tools to create are really different because it's the mixing of this media are really affecting you. So how you are a spectator of this or an audience of this is also new. The dating sites, for instance, are a very specific example of how real <laughs> the digital is. I mean, you can meet someone that then you can like have a relationship with that person. So that what, what can be more real than that? You made me think of a in, very interesting example of the audience. And it's this very thing that we are doing now. The podcast, that is a digital. That, that just didn't exist before. Although radio, of course, existed. But then how do we listen to podcasts? That's, I mean, now we can do that beautiful exercise of addressing the listener someone that it's listening now how are you listening i think most of the time i'm listening to the podcast that i like in the kitchen i don't know why perhaps because we don't have enough time and but it's so pleasant it's so beautiful to have the radio or to have the podcast that it's an hour long or more than half an hour i don't sit in my desk to listen to that i listen to that in the kitchen and it's a very pleasant experience but i don't know if i am really contemplating i i am paying attention of course but while i am cooking or cleaning or doing other things that i i would say that's a very very interesting case of digital audience but for me and that's one reason why we are also in in situ the relationship to audience is multiple we don't do the typical theater where you watch it at, at actors playing on the stage. We, we go around with headphones, with a podcast, giving you music and, and, and a voice. And then you look at the city and the city becomes the show. Or you interact with the audience and the audience becomes the actors, becomes so the participative works. So I, I do contemplate or I do think that the relationship you can have with the digital audience is just one of the aspects of this kind of interaction. 
Uh, but I agree that the point of being an audience is a bit about looking at it alone or being together with a community, a temporary community. Uh, so for me, it's a matter of uh, probably of attention, of saying, okay, five minutes performance for these five minutes, I am an audience. I don't look at my phone and I do something else. But what my big question mark is, is it going to stay this way? And also about the public, I mean, how crazy is the idea of the public digital space? In one hand, I think it would be fair to say that public digital space does not exist. The digital is owned by a bunch of private companies. And it's only three or four companies, all of them in the US, that are <laughs> the owners. But on the other hand, we could say it's incredibly crowded. I mean, in the digital space, you never know who's there. And it's a bit scary also. You never know who's watching, who's recording, who's listening. I don't know. Someone could be hacking that conversation and recording it. And uh, and it's full of ghosts. The other day I was talking uh, with a friend that told me, you know that in a short time, there will be more dead people in the internet than people alive. So I don't know, the digital public space perhaps does not exist, or perhaps it's like incredibly crowded even by dead people. I almost could dare to say that the digital is, first of all, personal. All these things we're talking about happen to us in a very personal way. I don't feel like I'm with a lot of people while I access the digital. My experience is that I have an intimacy with the digital. Let's think of it like a window or a door. Can we say it's necessarily personal before public? I don't know. It's a question. And um, being uh, accompanied in this space, it allows definitely all the activities that we can have in the physical space. And there's a lot of different ways of feeling a collective through these means. And I don't experience it that myself, to be honest, but I see how other people experience, younger people is experiencing that. So I think that there is a new um, way of being public. It's starting also to have uh, consequences, like it's not staying in the digital realm. And the last thing is that uh, whole other chapter, but the performativity that everybody is invited to, <laughs> you know, to perform in the digital world is a whole new thing about thinking audience and, you know, who's performing and who's the audience. But this is a question I just wanted to place in the end because it's, of course, a huge chapter. Rosalie Gonzalez and Wafa Mesbawi have been coordinating this podcast and Jeanne Robet has been editing it. This podcast is co-founded by the Creative Europe Programme of the European Union. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this first season of podcast and look forward to see you again for season two.